0: You step onto an elevator, ding, and inside this elevator is Barack Obama. That's odd enough. You always thought he took the stairs. But when you get in the elevator and he presses the button to Mars, you go, what? That was literally the fifth try of an introduction. (laughs) That's the one we're sticking with. And then we take a look at a more disturbing story, and this may contain some cursed audio, so I'll let you know. Beware to uh, shut the podcast off if you don't want a bunch of demons flowing around your house. Is it possible? (laughs) There's a selling point for you. Is it possible that the connection between the demonic world and drugs is much, much closer than we ever imagined? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. I hope you guys had a great weekend. I hope you guys are putting some thought into what you're doing for your 90 days to a Better You Challenge. I have decided what mine is. I'm going to focus on maximizing my weight lifting, something I did a lot in high school and college. I've done it on and off over the years. I've actually set my goals of how heavy I want to be lifting in 90 days. I've also cut out all nicotine, which I had been doing previous weeks, but I've also now cut out all caffeine, all sugar, and I'm actually going to focus on, this will be hard for me, I'm going to cut out artificial sugar. I'm definitely limited to the amount that I'm drinking now with all of my little fruity carbonated water drinks, but my main focus I have on my wall a list of all of the weightlifting goals I want to be at in three months. Let's make these 90 days to a better you work for me, because I need your guys' support too, and work for you as well. So now's the time to kind of formulate a plan of what you think you need to do to be in a better place 90 days from now. I wanted to share that with you, because I hadn't told you what I was going to do. I knew it was going to be fitness-related, but I I really needed to narrow it down. And that actually plays into our last story, but we'll save that for a bit. First off, let's welcome into Dead Rabbit Command, our newest Patreon supporter, Slinking in the Shadows being pursued by a group of hounds it's super fine vulpine everyone give a round of applause to super fine vulpine runs up on our shoulders like a little fox we keep the hounds at bay one of them can be your best friend Superfine Volpine's like, no, I'm an anthropomorphic fox. I'm not an actual fox that's sitting in your lap as I'm petting Superfine Volpine. Superfine Volpine, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you're not a fox and you can't support the Patreon, that's okay too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Superfine Volpine, we're going to toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We are going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're headed out to a little place, you might have heard of it, no one is Los Angeles. dun 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 That song, that Hugh Lewis and the new song's playing the whole way. You're like, Jason, I'm not as old as you. I don't know that song. A lot of you guys are my age. But it doesn't matter. That song's playing nonstop all the way to Los Angeles. We're driving out to Los Angeles to meet a man named Andrew Basagio. Lawyer, presidential candidate of 2016. Remember him on your local ballot? And... UFO expert. All of, maybe he is an actual lawyer, but for the rest of them, you kind of just shrug your shoulders. Really, anyone can run for president if you get enough signatures. But Andrew Basagio, which sounds like the worst, ser- <laughs> the worst serial ever, didn't become president, but he did do the second best thing. He begins going on tour to UFO conventions. So he's walking around with a little hat saying, probe me, and like a little button that says, look at my hat, it's a funny joke. He's, you know, he's a lawyer, so I can't make too many jokes about what he's doing at the convention, at these conventions. I know what I would be doing at these conventions. I'd be hooking up with hot alien babes. But Andrew's not me, and I'm not Andrew. Andrew is probably just just eating Basagios back in his... He's like, how come no one will buy my cereal? He's eating a big bowl of Basagios. He's going to these UFO conventions for a purpose. He's not going there just to hook up with hot alien babes. He's going there with a purpose he's actually a speaker at some of these conventions. And this is his story. He claims that in Los Angeles, there is a place known as 999 Sepulveda Boulevard. There's a building there. Very, very key point. There's a building there. You're like, Jason, there's a building in Los Angeles? I know. Can you believe it? There's a building at 999 Sepulveda Boulevard. And when he was a child, he was part of a thing called Project Pegasus. You you go into the building. <laughs> step one to being in the project. They're like, you're in. Like, the second you walk in, you're in the program, son. He's like, what? I just came to deliver the mail. You go into this building. You go to the elevator. You hit a button. Ding! It opens up. <laughs> Why am I just describing what you do in a building now? It's an educational podcast for nitwits. But when you, this isn't just any ordinary elevator. No, 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 no. This is in a building on 999 Sepulveda Boulevard. So you press this button in this elevator... And it goes, it goes up. It goes up like elevators tend to do. They do that 50% of the time. But when the elevator reaches its destination, the door changes. It's not any normal rectangular door for us homo sapiens. The door morphs like 1990s television technology. The graphics get... And it becomes something different. And when you pass through this door, you're on Mars. Which is pretty dope, right? I bet you didn't know there was an elevator that went to Mars. I bet you didn't even know there were bases on Mars. Uh, we, we don't have either of those things. But Andrew Basagio says... I mean, he knows more than I did. He ran for president. So he does this. He's on Mars. Now, he says that he was a member of Project Pegasus. They were constantly being teleported around to Mars. And one time he gets on the elevator. And he meets Barack Obama. He goes... Which is interesting. I... I I, that's impressive, I guess. Um, I remember once I got in a lot of hot water when I said if I met Bill Gates, I wouldn't be impressed. Like, he would just, I'd be like, oh, huh? What? i put my headphones back in. I'm like, oh, thanks, good sir. But no, I don't want to hear about your microchip. Put my headphones back in. I wouldn't be impressed. Like, sure, he's like a billionaire. And like, he invented computers and stuff like that uh in his garage but i'm not impressed i mean like if my buddy did it i'd be like super proud that my buddy did it but just some like random dude who did it a long time ago i don't care if i met barack obama i'd probably be a little more impressed i'd be like hey you're that guy who like won an election because that's really what you do right when you become a president you beat two people Like, you beat someone the first time. Like, that's the hard part, is, like, winning the election. And then there's a second election, he beat somebody else. I don't remember. Who did he beat the second time? Oh, it was Mitt Romney. Oh, I mean, like, it's cool, I guess. I'd be like, hey, you're a Netflix producer now. Can you get get my show on Netflix? But, like, once you've become president, the hard part's over. Then you just kind of, like, delegate and make decisions. Like, I would be, I'm not going to say that I wouldn't be, I'd be more impressed to meet Barack Obama than I would, beat Bill Gates because Bill Gates didn't beat nobody like basically for me to be impressed you have to have overcome a human opponent or a bear or a tiger I would be impressed slightly if I got in an elevator and Barack Obama was there then then after I go hey it's nice to meet you then I put my headphones in and go I don't want to hear about your microchip he's like what are you talking about I don't have any microchips on me it's his eyes shift from side to side uh, so so that whole. <laughs> That whole thing aside, this is what's bizarre about it. He says that when he was a little kid, he met Barack Obama. This guy is in his 50s now, like in his 40s or his 50s. Barack Obama's not that old, so he would have met Barack Obama as a child, which is far less impressive. It's like a 100 times less impressive because he's just some nobody. He's just some kid in an elevator just standing there. And you're like, hey, what's your name? And he'd go, "Uh, my name's Barack Obama. Why are you asking me my name? We're both part of a top secret mission headed to Mars. How would you even remember that you met this dude? You're going to Mars. There's stuff way more fascinating than the kid standing next to you in the elevator. But anyways, for some reason, he remembers Barack Obama. He's hanging out in an elevator with Barack Obama. He's going to Mars. That's the most intriguing thing about him. He said that he visited Mars 40 times. By, you know, you know, after the, after the first 20, you stop counting, right? You're like, oh, what am I doing today? Oh, yeah, visiting Mars. Go up to Big Red Dusty Planet. It'd be boring up there. Well, apparently he he believes in this human lunar base on there. Also, that kids are being kidnapped. We covered that in our Earth First episode, that there's a conspiracy theory that children are being kidnapped on Earth flying to Mars. It's a 20-year journey, according to this conspiracy theory in that episode. It's a 20-year journey, and then they're used as slaves on Mars. Which, at that point, they're not children anymore. If you kidnap an 8-year-old on Earth and it takes 20 years to get to destination, you have a strapping, strong, 28-year-old man running off of the ship with a wrench. Why are they even doing that if they have an elevator? Just take all the kids to Sepulveda Boulevard. I'm not giving, I'm not giving the government advice on how to kidnap kids and take them to Mars, okay? But I'm just saying, there's more efficient ways than to take a 20-year, and it doesn't even take 20 years, the, the rocket journey. That should show how old that conspiracy theory is, really. But he says he's been there uh, 40 times. He also says that there's like the the um, children being forced into slavery on Mars, which is ridiculous. If we're on Mars, why don't we have robots? Like, let's just go sci-fi all the way. He also said there's a mass grave on Mars, and you can actually see it yourself. <laughs> if you've ever wanted to see a mass grave, you're like, another photo to add to my collection. You have a wall of mass grave photography. There's a photo of a mass grave on Mars. He has this picture that it's not, he didn't take it himself. This is like Mars rover pictures that is like this formation. He goes, look it, that's obviously a pile of dead bodies. (laughs) At that point, the psychiatrist is like, this is the weirdest Rorschach test ever. But apparently there's a photo of a bunch of dead bodies on Mars. And um, this is great. I love this part. He actually wrote a paper in 2008 he's been at this for a while this wasn't like something he lost the election and goes you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna be from mars he was doing this before the election in 2008 he wrote a paper about the mass graves on mars he wrote like a essay or dissertation or whatever and he turned it he submitted it to the national geographic society so they didn't run that story obviously because otherwise, it would have been the biggest news in the solar system. Mass grave found on Mars, man says. National Geographic changes their headlines, obviously, to become tabloids. But no, he submitted it to National Geographic. They turned it down. So you go, Jason. You started this story on Friday. You left us on a cliffhanger. A Barack Obama <laughs> barely shows up in the story. Are you telling me that this is yet another story about a man who claims that he's been on Mars and there's bases on Mars? You've covered this before, Jason. Come on, man. And I put my hand on your shoulder and I go, oh, no, 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 no. We're not even close to being done. As I look at my watch, we actually are. But I got a bunch of details to cram in very quickly. First off, 999 Sepulveda Boulevard is a real location, but creepily enough, it's a highway overpass. And anyone who's been uh, spent a lot of time in America, I don't know why, maybe other countries have this too, but we have these sloping green patches underneath overpasses. They're really steep angles. And that's what this is. So for a building to have been there back whenever this kid was hanging out in elevators, you would have had to have a building on like a 70 degree angle and it would have had to cut through a highway overpass. And you say, Jason, well, I mean, that's weird. If a building did exist there, but a building didn't exist there. This guy's obviously making the story up. You say, I didn't say that. I didn't say that about the lawyer. He said that. Obviously, the story is not factual, you say. What's interesting is right next to 999 Sepulveda Boulevard, like kitty corner to it, is the FBI building. The FBI building, a massive complex in the middle of Los Angeles. So is this story some sort of code? Are we supposed to be directed to the FBI office? Is it supposed to be some way to catch people who are going out there and the FBI is waiting for them with Brick Brack? Um, (laughs) Just going to jump them and take their wallets? Why 999 Sepulveda Boulevard? Did Basagio look up his address? Did he just figure it it sounded creepy because it's like 666 upside down? Who knows, right? It's just kind of a weird detail to this story. He could have said a nondescript building in los angeles or not even named the city and then it would have been extra mysterious but he gave an address to a building that doesn't exist that hasn't existed since freeways were built unless because so he would have never have gone there unless he was some sort of time traveler and he also claims to be a time traveler by the way he has proof of this he has proof of this there is an old timey civil war photo of a kid standing at gettysburg He's just ducking his bolts or flying from both angles. It's before the battle starts. He's standing there. And he's looking at the camera, which is great. Time Traveler 101, if you get caught, stare directly at the camera, Time Traveler. He says that as a child, he went back in time. He went back to Gettysburg. There's a photo of all these troops. He's staring at the camera. And he has giant shoes on, like clown shoes on. And in the background, apparently, Abraham Lincoln's talking to a bunch of troops. And he said, that's me that's me and people go wait why <laughs> first off i think at this point people are humoring him because people don't ask how did you time travel why did you time travel there how did you get back they ask apparently why are your shoes so big and he goes oh oh he says apparently apparently that when he time traveled back in time he lost his shoes Or something. <laughs> you didn't know that was under the rules of time travel one don't interfere with the time stream two bring shoes bring extra shoes you have to first time travel back to a footlocker and then go to your destination Guess he time travels back in time and his shoes (laughs) fell off or something like that so somewhere in the time stream a shoe falls on genghis khan's head his shoes fell off so when he goes to the battle of gettysburg or right before the battle of gettysburg he has no shoes on and someone's like hey you son what's your name and he's like uh they're like never mind never mind future boy come he's like oh no my cover's blowing they're like yeah 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 we see a lot of people no shoes back here yeah come here and they gave him shoes but the shoes didn't fit so the shoes are big and he's staring right at the photo he's a time traveling <laughs> he's a time traveling 10 year old boy who gets caught hanging out at gettysburg stares directly at the camera with giant shoes on now there's a couple one that story is 100 percent true and if so then we've been lied to about physics and reality. Um, The other options, (laughs) the story's totally made up. The photo's real. The photo is actually real because historians ago, this may actually be one of the earliest photos of Abraham Lincoln. The photo is real. The question is, is Andrew Basagio in the photo with big shoes on? So we don't know the answer to that. We can assume the answer is no, that's not him, right? Because based on physics, based on current physics. But the thing with time travel is you don't know. You don't know, right? Current is doesn't really matter anything when you're talking about time travel. We're actually going to get more. That's an interesting segue. We're going to get more to that in a second. But I, I think the whole story is a little weirder than just making fun of a guy who says he met Barack Obama in an elevator. Because I don't understand the Sepulveda Boulevard FBI connection. And um, the photograph, again, is just kind of a goofy part of it. But I the, the Sepulveda Boulevard thing is the thing that trips me out the most. Superfine Volpine, let's leave behind this spooky overpass. I'm going to toss you the keys of the Carpenter Copter. We are headed out to a dark road in Kentucky. (laughs) Carbonicopters flying out there. I have a new segment for today. It's probably just before today, but I'm gonna call it Monday Musings. You guys are already shaking your head. Okay, here's some things that I thought of over the weekend that I'm gonna present to you on Monday. Little brain teasers for you. A Supermind Volpine is flying this carbonicopter with little fox hands. I turn to you and I go. What came... (laughs) This segment will either be completely never used again, or it'll be the most popular segment on the show. What came first? Think about this for a second. You're going to think it's a stupid question, but think about it for a second. What came first? The record, like an LP, the record, or the record player? Huh? Huh? Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. <laughs> Jason, I thought about it while you were saying it. Here's another one. This is an interesting one I came up with walking down the road. There's five basic emotions. Now, some people say there's four. Some people say there's eight. But I say there's five. I say there's five. You have happy and sad. You have love and hate. Because like a baby will experience those things. Love and hate. Happy and sad. And Fear. What's the opposite of fear? There isn't one. There's nothing to counterbalance that. Isn't that weird? You could say calm. That's more of the opposite of anger. Happy, sad. You can even do angry, calm. Those are more states of being than emotion, but... Happy, sad. Anger, calm. Love and hate. Fear. There's no opposite to fear. There's an antithesis to it. There's not being afraid. But that's not an emotional state. That's a reaction to an emotional state that existed. And now you're trying to not be that. Very weird thing. Here's another one. This is a bizarre one. (laughs) Yo, those first two were so normal. Why aren't there more crucifixions? Now, I'm not saying like government-wise. I'm not trying to say the government should start crucifying people. Crucifixion is one of the most visual execution methods in the world i think you'd have hanging you'd have guillotines and then you have crucifixion firing squad is in there as well <laughs> firing squad gets an honorable mention but i'm not saying why isn't the government crucifying people why aren't there more serial killers crucifying people it's such a religious icon like if you ask someone how did jesus die <laughs> they'll know it's crucifixion. <laughs> don't do that don't walk along the street and ask people that but what I'm saying it, it is, you see that it's a form of execution that is used as a religious icon. It's everywhere. Why aren't there more serial killers crucifying people? I'm not encouraging it. I don't understand that. Like you should see that more often. Why don't you? I can't think of a seri- a single serial killer who crucified their victims. Now it's in very hard. Uh, crucifixion is not something that you can just do on a whim. You have to have a giant. Cross to begin with, and but e- even if you were crucifying them to like a tree or something like that, it's still a lot of work. <laughs> so, so, so serial killers are quite lazy, uh, but they don't even like lay victims out in crucifixion poses that often. So, why not considering you have that religious icon and then you have people who are steeped in religion who are mentally ill? Not, I'm not saying all people who believe in religion are mentally ill, but you do have that subset of serial killers who are like super devout and they can't deal with their internal feelings, so they lash out violently. And then you have the whole satanic shock-worshipping serial killers who want to do... How come they're not crucifying people? The people who want to defame... God doesn't exist, man. We're going to defame it all. We're going to show how evil humanity really is. That's That's my impression of those serial killers. How come they don't crucify people? Why don't we see more crucifying serial killers? Again, I'm not encouraging it. It's... Now that I say that, you guys have to admit that is an odd detail, considering that is the one of the most famous ways to kill people on the planet. And we do have people hung and we do have serial killers who use strangulation, who use ropes, nooses, things like that. And you do have serial killers that chop people's heads off like that's their go to thing. Why aren't they crucifying people? Very, very weird anomaly. What is causing that? Supervine Volpine's like, dude, can we just land this carbonic counter? This is super disturbing. You're basically saying you... I'm not saying I want more crucifixion serial killings. I'm just saying I don't understand why there aren't any. Supervine Volpine, you see that car driving below us? I want you to hover over that. I just want you to follow it in stealth mode. We're going to follow this car. This car is being driven by a Reddit user named Hexabyte. I'm going to play you an audio clip, and I don't know. It's probably completely harmless. I've listened to it multiple times. Nothing bad's happened to me. (laughs) You're like, Jason, you just talked about crucifying people. Again, that's not what I was saying, but nothing bad has happened to me. However, I'd like to give this warning sometimes. I don't give it all the time. This audio might be cursed. This might be some sort of cursed audio. It could be a glitch. It could be a hoax. It could be something darker than that. It could be something that will open up a portal in your house. So, (laughs) one of the four, guys. One of the four. So, I'm just giving you a slight warning. I know not everyone wants portals to open up in their house. They're like, dude, I live here with my family. Uh, you can skip ahead 30 seconds or however long the clip is. I don't know how long the clip is just listening to it. So you you skip skip ahead, you jump right in the middle as the portal opens up behind you. Skip ahead at like a minute or just fast forward or something. But I'm going to play this audio clip for you now. So that is a clip from a Reddit user named Hexabyte. They were driving home one night through Kentucky. They're listening to 8.40 a.m. the radio station. Now, you can look in the show notes to actually watch the video. They are recording with their phone. So we see their stereo is tuned in to 8.40 a.m. We see they're driving at night and we're hearing this horrible audio. Now, it could be a glitch. Uh, Hexabyte could be pulling a hoax, right? It could be someone in the back. The backseat just going... <laughs> And he thinks this funny friend in the backseat's choking on some basaglio cereal. But that's the backstory to this. Now, um, he posted this on Reddit. He's trying to figure it out. One of the Reddit users, Annie Inn, did check social media for the radio station to see if anyone else reported this incident. And nobody else did. No one else reported it on social media. So if it was a glitch, it wasn't a station-wide glitch. So a creepy bit of audio. I always like playing that when I can. But it leads actually to another question. It leads back to issues of time travel, and it leads back to issues of drugs. When I went, started investigating this, I do this a lot when I'm looking at paranormal stuff. One of the things I like about Reddit is you can look through someone's post history, and you can kind of get an idea of who they are, at least what they're posting. There was one person who told this really compelling ghost story, and then when I looked through their post history, they told a lot of really compelling ghost stories, and I came to the conclusion they were fake. Like, there was just too many good stories over the course of three or four years that I was like, this is not true. This just, not everyone, not everyone's ghost story ends with the fire department showing up and the police pulling a body out. And she goes, no, 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 that's the wrong body. That's my brother. And the killer jumps up behind her. Like, that might happen to you once, but this person had all of these really, really creepy ghost stories in a shorter period of time across all these different boards. It's fake. So I like to look through it. It does give you an idea to kind of suss out who's, who might be telling the truth. When I'm looking at Hexabyte's profile, he, uh, at one point uh, Hexabyte sends a message to himself, posted on a page, sends a message to himself, and he types in, sorry, making sure I'm a real person. My head isn't on straight. I see posts about MDMA. I see posts about how to buy drugs on the darknet, on the deep web. Starts a thread. "A Silk Road for a scam? Threads removed. Starts another thread later, Silk Road for a scam. So apparently Hexapyte did get scammed. Like the person was like, hey guys, can you help me out? Are they a scam? And the thread gets deleted and he goes, guess I'll take my chances. So here we have someone who's obviously in a state of distress. They don't know what's real. They have to post messages to themselves. They're trying to buy drugs off the dark web. We don't know which drugs. They just are trying to figure out something. They're talking about MDMA, which is meth, basically. It's it's. I know it's formulated a little bit differently, but it's in the end, it's a large component of it is is methamphetamines. So this person's in in distress, and they're using drugs either to self medicate or for entertainment or both. It's funny because when I saw this story, it kind of put something in my head. Is it possible that drug use? lifts the veils between the realms. It would explain a lot. And it's funny because that's actually like old school fundamental Christian belief that like drugs are the demon's gateway. You can read like old chick pamphlets that kind of have that message. And I'm not saying that necessarily because that is just like an old school message. I think if you keep breaking down your own psyche with chemicals or bad decisions or horrible moral choices, yes, I think that can invite darkness into your life. I'm not talking about that so much, though. I'm talking about... Imagine if... Let's call it the Killer Bob theory from Twin Peaks. Let's imagine that I began doing meth. I'm doing meth all the time. And you're my best friend. And we're hanging out together. And you're just like, dude, you need to stop doing... You need to stop doing the meth, man. I like hanging out with you. But this is the fifth house we've broken into tonight. Can we, can we just go back to your place and play Goldeneye? Yes. But first, let me steal this guy's a Nintendo 64... I'll be right to the cart. I'm using meth all the time. You're my sober buddy. I start complaining about seeing the shadow people. And you're like, dude, of course, man. Of course. You're playing the game Shadow Man for the Nintendo 64. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But other than that, I'm seeing the shadow people everywhere. And you know it's meth psychosis. So you go home. (laughs) Just leave me to tear my own face off. You're like, I'll be better tomorrow. You go home. And when you get to your house, there's a shadow man standing at the end of your hallway. You didn't do the meth. You didn't get the psychosis. You might be a little stressed out because I am doing those things and you're my best friend, but you're seeing those things. Is it possible that when we do drugs, we're actually not just inviting them into our lives, but we are becoming a conduit for them into the real world to the point that Hexabyte, we don't know the extent of Hexabyte's drug consumption. I think the fact that they're going on Silk Road is a bad sign. I guess on the coast we're a little spoiled. You can just walk to the store and buy an ounce of weed. You know you don't have to use the dark web for anything. And then anything else you need you just go into the nearest city. They have everything you want. So and sometimes you don't even have to go into the city. You just you turn around and be like hey do you have meth? Hey yeah here we go. But the fact that you're buying it on the dark web I think makes it darker. Definitely makes it a little more solitary. Unless you're a dealer. You don't have anyone to do these drugs with. You're taking MDMA and just sitting at your own house. That's just weird, right? It's a party drug. But again, I don't know what Hexabyte's doing. Hexabyte may be the biggest drug dealer in Kentucky. I don't know. The point is, is that there's a difference between having a couple brews with your buddies before the big game and drinking bottles of Jack alone at home. Chemically, there's no difference at all, but socially. And that's how I'm kind of viewing this as far as like just ordering the stuff on Dark Web, getting ripped off. Things like that. So, we don't know how much drugs this guy is doing, but he definitely seems to be in a bit of distress. And what if you could do so many drugs that you are hearing voices, which is definitely possible, but you do even more drugs so other people can start to hear the voices? Could you turn yourself into a portal for the darkness and that darkness just begins to eke out of you and inhabit the places that you go? It's a theory, and it's not just based on this one story. The story just kind of made me compile a bunch of stuff in my head that I had heard over the years. I think a lot there is a huge crossover between people who do drugs and people who have paranormal events. It's not 100%. It's not 100% at all, but I would say it's like 60 70%. And I think it's interesting, too. I think for a lot of us who have used drugs and have had paranormal experiences, my paranormal experiences started before I started using drugs. The first time I really heard a ghost, an auditory ghost. I was 17, 18 years old. I didn't begin using drugs till I was 21. But I believe, it was one of my theories. I'm making fun of Basagio and his Mars thing and his time travel stuff. I've said this before on the show. When you smoke weed, it's uh, across a time continuum. You're smoking weed with all the future use. So when I was 18 years old, even though I had never smoked weed yet, and on a linear timeline, I hadn't smoked weed yet. But in the fate of the universe, I had already smoked for years and years and years. So that ghost who appeared to me when I was 18 knew I was going to smoke only three years from now. So he came to give me some sweet ganja, some sweet ghost ganja. It'd be interesting to see how many people who have paranormal events as youngsters do become drug users. But again, it's not 100%. There are people who have paranormal events who have never touched a drug, never touched a drug, but I would argue they are in the minority. And I would also theorize that a lot of them were around, drumroll please, people who did use drugs. I think it would be very, very interesting to note people who have used drugs and have had a paranormal experience, and it doesn't have to be at that exact same time. A lot of times it gets dismissed Dude, I was dropping acid, and then I saw the craziest ghost story ever. It was called A Christmas Carol. I watched it at the local community theater. Those get dismissed because they're on drugs. You can't take that. But people who do drugs, and they go, Yeah, I normally do smoke weed, but this night I was totally sober. I'm sure if you took that group of people, and then people who have not used drugs, but have been around people using drugs, either in their home life or people close friends to theirs, and then people who have never used drugs, and none of their friends have ever used drugs, and have had paranormal experiences, I would say they would be in the strict minority. I do think there's a connection between those two things. What? How it works? I don't know. Hi, this is Jason from the future. I'm editing this, and it's kind of breaking up the flow, but I had to make a correction. I'm about to say I didn't have caffeine until I was 18. I really meant to say I didn't really drink coffee till I was 18. While I was editing this, I realized I've been caffeinated since I've been about six or seven when I started drinking Coca-Cola. So that makes what I'm about to say even uh, more ridiculous. I haven't had, this is the first time I've gone three days outside of some sort of medical emergency. Uh, But even in hospitals, they'll give you a diet soda. So it's, Uh, Man, it's crazy to think I've been on caffeine for 40 years, and now I've gone a few days without it. And uh, just keep listening to this episode, and you'll see uh, what's going on now that I've stopped using caffeine. I thought it was an interesting thing, too. We'll finish it up like this. how Even the smallest drug can affect you. I've, I've been using caffeine since I was about 18. I wasn't into it as a teenager, and I've been using it since I was 18. Nicotine's been on and off over the years, uh very high amounts of nicotine, then a, a year or two, no nicotine, and then back up to high nicotine and things like that. But I've never been drug free until about, I don't know, three days ago, where I've had none. None of it. No nicotine. No caffeine. Always been on some sort of stimulant since I was 18 years old. And I didn't really think of caffeine like that. So I, the nicotine, obviously, I knew was a drug. Marijuana, I actually knew was a drug. Caffeine, you know, is a drug, but you don't really care. You don't think of it like that. I don't drink. I don't drink alcohol. It's been about three days since I've had any caffeine. The oddest thing, I went for a really long walk uh, a couple days ago. And I felt like I was forgetting something. I felt like, um, I was forgetting an article of clothing. It was weird. It wasn't like I was forgetting my keys or forgot to lock the door or something like that. I felt like I wasn't wearing something that I needed to wear. I actually kind of looked down to make sure I had pants on. And then yesterday I went for a really long walk, like a six-mile hike. It was great. I haven't gone on a walk like that since the pandemic started. And I walk out of my house and I go, I'm forgetting something. I'm 100% forgetting something. I knew I was forgetting something. I couldn't figure it out. And I got about a block or two away and I realized what I was forgetting was my backpack. Because I do often wear a backpack when I'm going to the grocery store. But if I'm not going to the grocery store, don't wear a backpack. And I'm walking and I'm like, I, feel, I can't feel the straps on me. And I go, why don't I have this backpack on? I'm missing my backpack. This is so bizarre. I knew it took me like a couple seconds to process this. Because I go walking without my backpack as probably more often than I go walking with my backpack. I've never had this sensation before, though. I go, where's my backpack? I'm feeling around for it. I realize I felt like a literal monkey. I felt like a literal monkey was off my back. There's that old, old term that goes with addiction. They call it, it's the monkey on your back. It's something weighing you down. My, for the first time since I was 18 years old, no stimulants, nothing. All that time I was using weed or not using weed. All that time I was using nicotine or not using nicotine. Constant caffeine use. Constant stimulant in my bloodstream since I was 18 years old. I feel great. I feel great. It's so bizarre. I felt like there was something holding on to me. And when it let go, I could feel it missing. It was that real of a sensation that it took me a day or two to figure out what it was, like to even figure out what was missing. And once I realized it was my backpack, it was like something was just holding on to my body, and now it's gone. And my body has to adjust to this new state of being. We always talk about legalizing drugs, and these drugs are safe, and these drugs are bad, or no drugs are bad, it's just the way society looks at drugs. The truth of the matter is, we don't know. This drug causes cancer, this drug can cure cancer... This drug can do this. This drug can do that. We can run all these studies, but we are turning a blind eye to the paranormal world. And I get it. It's not, it's not scientists are into, but you can run a ton of studies saying that this is great for your physical well-being. You can read, run a ton of studies saying you can have this much, but not that much. This stuff helps your mood. This stuff helps. But we're not looking at the supernatural elements of it, which might be the most important thing to study. We can't study the world of the supernatural underneath a microscope. It can't be measured. It can't be gauged. But that doesn't mean it should be ignored. Because it is quite possible that the use of drugs, and it could be all drugs, even ones we consider to be benign, may be affecting us far more than we think. I'm not saying having a cup of coffee is going to open a pitch black portal in your soul that demons will pour out of. But I think some drugs might cause that. But we don't know which ones, in what combinations, in what amounts. All we have is a clue from a young man driving down a dark Kentucky road. They just wanted to listen to a little bit of radio. Instead, they heard the demons that are coming out of their own soul.